Wait, okay. Uh, okay, hold on, everybody. I, I just want to give you a little warning. Some people have told us that we're too hard on the episodes. That is correct. And so this is a little uh, a klaxon alert. Can you do your klaxon? <laughs> you, you might want to just click on the next episode. Just go ahead and click on episode 16 instead. Yeah, the next episode, Dave is just going to read his poetry about his love for William Riker. Riker, Riker, I, let me count the ways. Get ready to join our captain and your favorite poop emoji as we visit too short a season. Have you seen a grandpa before? It's like they've never seen an old person in their lives. And we know how you love when we talk about the special effects. There's some shows that do it right and some don't. But it's like they had a, just like a bucket of latex in the back. Be enthralled by an old dude being old. Is this a galaxy class vessel you say? Huh? And engage! <laughs> and hopefully our sound effects will make up for our audio issues. Okay, wait, good, I'll do some special effects, okay. <laughs> All this, and somehow more, coming at you right about... Huh? What did you say? I said, all of this and more, coming at you right about... <laughs> Come again? Right about... I'm sorry, what, what, what did you say? Right about now. No, I'm ready for the count. I've, that's why I showed up for this whole thing, believe it or not. Five. And four. And three. Beverly! Beverly! Two. Beverly! Beverly! One! Engage! Crushock! Ooh, wow. Oh, did you hurt yourself? I think I crushed my crusher. You broke your crusher? Welcome back to your your favorite podcast and ours, STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Are they still going on about this, day? Oh, my God. Listen, listen. They were on a seven-year journey, and I think it's taken us nearly seven years to get to this first half of the season. Well, we need to get uh, Kaczynski over here and the Traveler. To soup up our warp drive. That's a little joke for those who've been listening along. We're three galaxies away by now. <laughs> It'll take us three hundred years to get back. Uh, the two of us, uh, Star Trek goofballs, are, are running the show. I'm Commander Davy Dave, and I am Praetor Andrew. Pra to what? Praetor, like like Carnass. Uh, Praetor. I pray you'll tell us what that means. I have no idea what it means. I'm just telling you, that's what Karnas is. He's Praetor. The big baddie in this episode, for everyone, not to spoil it too soon, he, he's on some planet, and his name his name is Praetor. See, I, I, I don't think he's the baddie. I'm going to have to disagree well, with you. Well, right there. That, that's some of the complicated business we're going to get into in this episode of STTNGs. Da, da, da. Hey, what's the name of this episode that we're talking about? Number one, it's two short a season or as i like to call it too long an episode no kidding listen 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 i gotta tell you something i watched this episode about four times and i wow i challenge people you know we're asking people to go and watch these episodes and and, and listen to the podcast it makes it makes it more fun it's a rewatch podcast you don't have to but 
Uh, I think this is really the first one that I just couldn't get through without sleeping. And I, a lot's been going on, and, and I get a little tired by the time I sit down and watch these. But I just, I just couldn't do it. Aren't you in your? You're in your 80s, like Admiral Jameson, are you? Uh, not? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Can get you a giant chair. Uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a young guy. I, I'm at the age where you start falling asleep watching stuff, and I got to tell you, stuff <laughs> stuff's got to be really, really engaging for me to stay awake. I don't, you know, this, this episode, I, I don't know if it matters what age you are. It is, it is a painful episode and I feel bad asking our listeners to, to watch it. I mean, I, it, I think in some countries that's considered a war crime <laughs> to force anyone to watch this thing. It's just awful. Why don't you tell us what happens in this episode? Give us a little. Oh, it's so dumb. So the Enterprise is uh, charged with ferrying this guy, Admiral Mark Jameson, to Mordon 4 to negotiate a release of hostages. And uh, as they're, they're, like, taking for damn ever to get to Mordon 4, the guy starts getting younger. I mean, he's 80-plus 80, he's 80 years old, and suddenly he begins to get younger. The, the guy is Mark Jameson, the uh, Commander Jameson. Admiral Mark Jameson. Admiral Mark Jameson! I mean, I wish I could say there was more like nuance or shading to the plot that that'll you'll you'll th- sit there and think to yourself, well, that's really clever. You take a, a simple, straightforward plot and you really develop that. But I can't because that's basically it. They pick an old dude up, they fly him across the galaxy. He keeps getting younger. They drop him off. The end. <laughs> and and There's- they should really call it like too short a plot. It is not complicated, and I think it's much like a lot of the other plots that we've experienced on this show so far, where they got some ideas. They've they've got like a like a, a what, what what do you call those boards? Like a dream board or a <laughs> vision board? Vision board. Sorry, they got a vision board. They've got a yeah. vision board, Rob. and they've got like this this episode. <laughs> it's like what do you, uh, 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 great bird, Mister Roddenberry? Uh, yes. W- w- what should this episode be about? Well, why don't they just fly across space with an old guy, but he gets younger? I love it. And <laughs> that's all I got. Now leave me alone. I need a nap. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they wanted to explore this idea of age and redemption and trading uh, hostages for arms. Or There's yes. a bit of a war story, but it's so convoluted and uninteresting that you know by the time you get to that it's just not there's nothing doing in there you know before we get too far i i need to uh refresh myself oh my god oh uh, there you go okay hold on there you go manual docking please ah uh, you and those cans can i tell you something about this a little behind the scenes for everyone for, for, for our growing fan base uh-huh um, all 94 of you right We've had a bit of a break in between episodes, and you'll never know. Yeah. And and, and I, I like to enjoy these Perriers, these little thin can Perriers. And for some reason, Perrier makes these little tiny cans. But yes. I have not had a Perrier can since the last time we did our uh, podcast. How about that? Isn't that interesting? Well, you've, you've remained unrefreshed. Well, I've had some other uh, waters, but not this. Wait. Mm. It's really because, I'll tell you, you know, you want, you want to know why. Because they use a plastic lining on this can that is, is supposed to give you cancer. So, so Neat. So I'm only giving Neat. myself a little bit of cancer every time I do these um, podcasts. That's it. It's very generic what happens in this episode. And I think when you, when you look back at it and you see this guy who comes on the ship, we wonder why they can't make this character have some sort of connection to somebody on the ship. You've got this giant crew of seven, eight primary characters. And 
you got this old dude comes on the ship and why he couldn't have been Riker's ex-commander or Picard's or something like that, something that would have kind of grounded you to the experience. Instead, it's yet another stranger that kind of comes onto the ship and it just missed opportunities that, that could have connected some dots for us. They did that in a way because I don't, I don't think the people that are running the show are really married to the script and, and kind of wanted to stay away from it. That's interesting. Well, Wesley, it's another Wesley-less episode. Wesless. Westless in Seattle. I think Michael Dorn says something maybe like 45 minutes into the episode. He's standing around. He's in the background. And finally, it's just like, I was watching going, are they going to just make it? Are they going to make him silent the whole time? He has one line, and I believe it's during the gunfight. And he says like, sir, get down. Or, sir, watch out. Or, don't just stand there like an idiot when people are shooting at you. Something so they, like that. Jameson brings his wife along, Anne, and they and they're they're, oh, God. Yes, they're on the Enterprise D. They've returned to this planet because Jameson's coming back to f- negotiate with. Is it Karnak? Karnas. Uh, hold on a second. The Great Karnas, dummy. It's like Karnas. <laughs> Kiss my Karnas. But there's two things. Go- there's two things that are happening, and it makes the episode very confusing. One is that Jameson is coming back to negotiate these hostages that are being held by Karnas, somebody who he had a negotiation supposedly 50 years before on the same planet. And so there's a secret story to that. At the same time, he is there with his wife. I don't know what how old they're supposed to be because the, the wife is probably 70 in her 70s right yeah and he's supposed to be in his 80s they say it a couple of times he's like 82 or something just just do a little google on this one if you look at him it's not the greatest old age makeup you've seen clearly it's it's a little bit of a heads up that this guy isn't going to be an old guy the whole time he's going to turn into something right i don't like to be too hard on the actors especially the guest stars on these shows because it's tough to pop on to some sci-fi show and do this nonsense that they're telling you to do like hey 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 act like a real old guy 85 year old man and they're and the real actor who plays this guy is super young he's what do you think he's in his early 20s maybe yeah he's got to be when i mean when he finally de-ages down to his normal age and he he does look like at least 24 at the most is they're charging this actor with quite a lot to do it's bad enough that the plot is simple and it's bad enough that the script is pretty turgid but the acting is reprehensible this guy i and i'm sure he's a lovely human being he's probably you know volunteers for doctors without borders every time he sees that sarah mclaughlin commercial about the dogs he spends (laughs) hundreds of dollars or whatever i'm sure he's a lovely lovely person blood donor but his performance in the show is just so you awful. Just, everything I just said, I don't want to do. <laughs> I'm going to do. But I also want to lay this at the yeah. feet of, of the director and the producers who had to be seeing this and thinking, yeah, oh, that's okay. Let him go. It's like they've never seen an old right. person in their lives. <laughs> I do have to say, the thing that bothers me the most is that this is like as generic an episode as we see. There is absolutely nothing that makes this a Star Trek episode in my mind. Right, like it could have been any other sci-fi show. Oh, right? sure. I mean, this could have been a Buck Rogers episode. We probably would have gotten like, you know, two Igabigas. Biddy, 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 buck. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Theophilus would not even have had a chance to say something pithy. Doctor, you are getting so young. Iggy Biggy. <laughs> Iggy Biggy Biggy. Talk about Fountain of Youth, Buck. 
Biggie, biggie, biggie. Yeah. It's a story about this guy who we're never going to see again. Jameson. He's an awful character. He is just a horrible person yeah. every step of the way. I have no I have no sympathy for this guy. There is obviously like a sale at the latex store. Right. I mean, they just yeah. cake that guy with makeup. I mean, he looks like they just dipped him into a vat. They've been aging people up for a really long time. And so back in 1988, they yes. had it down. This was just not a good example of it. But what is with that hulking brow? I mean, I, folks, please go online and 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 if you haven't seen this episode, just just Google this. Google Admiral Jameson. Too short a season. Too short a season, and he's got a brow like the Incredible Hulk. It's like when you get older, your brow doesn't <laughs> suddenly become like you don't develop this this tremendous primitive suborbital ridge. It is just a, 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 this horrifying thing. And then, I mean, the whole thing reminds me of Johnny Knoxville. If you've ever seen, like, Jackass right. or Bad Grandpa. The Johnny Knoxville, old man, is a better makeup job, isn't it? Oh, God, yes. I mean, that's, that's how sad that okay, is. Okay, I, okay. I, I thought you were saying it was bad. That's all right, a, no, all right. no, no, no. But the way uh, okay. he acts, the way he walks around, like, Honey, Rrr, honey, Rrr. I've never... That, that, <laughs> that walk... Like he just got off a horse. Right. Have and you I'm like, come on. Have you seen a grandpa before? Well, that's. Do they not have grandparents? Well, maybe that's the case. You know, uh, Mr. Roddenberry was no young man at this point. I mean, they. he... he no. They, there's at least some old dudes clunking around on the soundstage there. And, and you're right. I mean, they have been doing this, this aging right. makeup forever. Yeah. I mean, you can look at earlier films, you know, like. 30 years before then there's some pretty good examples i mean there's there's some bad ones too to even sure. today you can watch there's some shows that do it right and some don't and, you know it's but it's like they had a just like a bucket of latex in the back or something or like roddenberry's cousin was a latex salesman or something <laughs> right. it's like ah we're gonna need 12 more barrels of this send the spare the shellac on this guy Rika, send up the latex yeah, is there some sort of like industrial write-off for them it's like this the show will be uh ten thousand dollars cheaper right. to produce if we use all this latex <laughs> well you know what you know one of the notes one of the notes i, I read about the episode he so the the old guy jameson shows up in this wheelchair or, or I guess you call it a wheelchair. Oh, God, you don't yes. know if it actually has wheels. Could be floating, for all we know, in space. His support chair, right? But the the chair supposedly cost ten thousand dollars to make, and the props people were yes. still pretty unhappy with it. It's a funny, weird looking chair that shows up, and, it, and it's humongous, and it makes you think. Even back in nineteen eighty eight, they, they, there's not a better solution to somebody who cannot walk than this like gargantuan chair well it didn't fit right i mean that was the problem they had spent ten thousand bucks on this thing right and it didn't fit on the set like no one had bothered to measure <laughs> like it couldn't get to the doors is that what happened yeah oh i didn't know that right <laughs> yeah it was just too big and it was too unwieldy and at one point they have him down there like sitting next to Riker right. and so on and they had to actually remove parts of the bridge set really to fit him in there and he's he's in it for for what 10 minutes we talked about this as a younger man playing this role he's taking some sort of nutty medicine and it's going to de-age him and so of course you want to start him off in a wheelchair because he's going to have to not use it eventually right, right? right. and so you want to take the most extreme sort of constraint that he has being old and then and then all of a sudden he comes walking through the scene at one point and everybody on the enterprise is like mm, oh my god did you see that? That's the thing I love, is that this episode is so boring that Jonathan from Frakes must have been just, like, desperate for something to do. 
because when <laughs> when Jameson gets up, he gets out of the chair and walks down towards the con because he's going to take over for Jordy. Riker whips around like he's going to have to phaser some dude. Right. He just whips around like, what? It's, it's just like, dude, calm down. It's just an old man walking. It's, 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 this episode is so boring. It's like, that's the only action. Hey, look at this old guy. Have you uh, have you either watched an old man stand up or seen paint dry before? It's very exciting. <laughs> but I mean, it's almost a cartoon. Like, you know, he's silly. Boing! <laughs> he's a, please, God, give me something to do, for God's sakes. Riker, turn around! That's an old man! Whoa. It's like... You sit next to an old man every episode. What's the problem here? <laughs> uh, actor's name is Clayton Rohner. And he still acts, by the way. Uh-huh. Neat. The other thing about Jameson, I mean, Jameson, like I said, is an awful man. But he is also remarkably dim. It, it, it's, it's terrifying to think that, that this person would be in charge of anything. I have no idea how he became an admiral. Right. His idea, the reason that we have this whole situation, is like you mentioned before, he was called in to solve right. this hostage crisis, which again is does have some topical weight to it sure. in in the eighties, right? Obviously, uh, are you talking about um, our hostages in Iran? Our hostages in Iran, our visit to you know Iraq. One of the the things that was happening at the time, as Saddam Hussein apparently was creating human shields to repel mm. uh, American forces in Kuwait. He was lining people up to be human shields. At least that's what we were told. Right. So there's that it has some political weight to it. But but this dumbass, he goes there and Karnas wants weapons. I will release these people if you give me weapons. And dumbass thinks to himself, okay, fine, I'll give him weapons. Jameson. And then I'll give weapons to, yeah. I've taken to call him dumbass. <laughs> Commander dumbass. But I'll also give the exact same weapons to the other side. So here's the logic that just absolutely vexes the hell out of me about this. So in order to save lives, he is going to give a bunch of weapons to two warring factions that he knows right. is going to lead to war, but he thinks would be a minor war. That would be settled in less than a year. Well, and, and this ends up being like actually revealed as a plot twist because we don't know that in the beginning. Jameson reveals to Picard that he made this deal way back 50 years ago with Carnass and then lied to the Federation and said that... When he says his golden oratory, it wasn't my golden oratory right. that saved the day. No, it was you. <laughs> His goal Be beyond beyond the the moral and ethical implications of what he does is the the, the logic is just stunning. I'm going to save the lives, and I'm going to say it again because I just can't get my mind around it. I'm going to save the lives of these people on the Starliner by letting these other folks have a war, a year long war. And I figured, well, yeah, that's a good trade. Yeah, that'll work. And then. Not to go back and check in on it or figure out what was going on until until forty years go by, and that yeah, yeah. and I know that it's explained in the plot as Carnass reaching out to Jameson, wanting him to come back and negotiate this deal, which is actually just a trap to get Jameson to come back so he can kill him or do whatever he's going to do because right, get 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 his much deserved revenge, right? And so, but it's a weird revenge because Carnass is mad at Jameson. But at the same time, he's ruling this planet, right? So he's really yes. 
won the spoils of this war. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, I think the idea is that killing Jameson will uh, satisfy his people, I think. I think that's the ex explanation that was given. And again, I'm sorry for the political angle, folks. And again, if you don't like that either, um, I'm sure there's like some lovely Care Bears podcast you can listen to. But the, the political angle here is that the United States had to make a practice and other yeah. countries too, other countries too, of fighting people they previously armed. So we were fighting Saddam Hussein, who we had recently given a bunch of weapons to so he could fight Iran. So here we have a situation where we're having to go back and take out this dude, Karnas, who is using weapons, and admittedly right. so, at that final scene, he takes a weapon off the wall that he said that Jameson had given him. Right. Karnas's weapons are weapons that are given to him by the Federation. And I also kind of wonder what the Federation was doing at that time, that they're like, hey, I see like 12 crates of phaser rifles going down there. Is that supposed to be that way? But, uh, see, that's exactly the part of this whole Prime Directive that uh, it, it's confounding to me because it just seems to change from story to story based on whatever the whatever the needs are. I mean, and I've complained before, right. but I think it's silly, this Prime Directive. I mean, it's a great idea if you really were going out in space and, you know, having a theory about how you're going to engage with other planets is probably pretty important. But here... I mean, how could the prime directive be any part of leaving weapons behind? I mean, even if even right. if the Federation was fooled into this golden-throated deal that um, Jameson created, e even so, how could they be behind leaving weapons? No, it doesn't make any sense. You know, he says that it's his, in, his interpretation of the prime directive, which is amazing because the Prime Directive essentially says you're not supposed to be interfering right. with these cultures, right? His interpretation of not interfering with cultures was to interfere with cultures <laughs> by giving them advanced weaponry. It's like, you really don't understand the Prime Directive. Were you sick that day at the Academy, Prime Directive Day? That's what I mean, though. It's like from one episode to the next, this Prime Directive seems to shift. Uh, uh, you know, you can bend it on some planets. You can do different things with it. It's just not consistent. And it's not consistent because it's really tough to have all these rules put on the writers and the showrunners of this show and then to try to develop stories each week and go like well wait a second that doesn't work and I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're, we keep running up against in this first season at least so there's a lot of it's like data you know data is inconsistent troy's powers are inconsistent what drives tension in the show isn't always consistent right i think it's early show I, I think but i know the prime directive is a thing it continues yeah i mean it does and and they are able like so for instance in the second season there's that episode and i think it's called pen pals where Data uh, gets into contact with uh, this young girl who's on a planet that's about to explode. You know, he's saying to Picard, we got to go rescue this girl. And, you know, Picard's like, you have totally <laughs> violated the Prime Directive. And that's where the drama comes yeah. from, from that. It's like, I mean, you know that the Enterprise is going to save people, right. especially going to save this young girl. That the Prime Directive can be used as a technique to build yeah. drama. And then other times, it's just sort of tossed aside or tossed around. It's like, we need to get rid of this Prime Directive. Otherwise, this whole thing with Jameson it, makes no sense. It's just... It's like, right. oh, okay. It's a weird conceit. or, or it's I mean, it's even more than that. It's, it's a weird framing for the show because you have all these rules that you're so willing to bend, but you could have all of this be more easily resolved if this show, the next generation, was more like the original series, which was driven 
many times by action and not by talking. And yes. so as soon as you have right, action, right. and all you have to do is look at every other kind of action movie or TV show and see how action drives the plot. A plot driven by action is a lot more exciting. And so in the original series, you would have Kirk and Spock and McCoy running from Nazis or, you know, trying to break out of a prison or something like that. And all of that could have been done on this in this episode, too, if they had gone down to the planet early. There's this one great scene, this action scene, where they're shooting laser guns. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Uh, laser guns. And Worf gives his one line and then jumps and, and Data does like yeah. a, a, a forward roll. Yes, <laughs> yes. There is that... 35 yes. seconds of action. <laughs> right. And, and realistically, and we've talked about this before, production-wise in the show, how it was built as a very kind of static show with these really great sets that they're going to play almost every scene against. And right. it's sort of why I keep saying it's a lot like L.A. Law because it's a lot of talking instead of yeah, that's like the having characters run around and having action scenes means you have to do a lot more coverage and there has to be a lot of practice and there has to be a lot of you know kirk's shirts getting ripped open okay and... wait a second wait a second it has taken 15 episodes for you to make that la law connection <laughs> it has always been about like oh look there's that actor from la law but that is an la law connection well, i could get behind that is a hundred percent i am i'm totally supportive of that one well listen listen i i i'm i'm combining my two of my L.A. Law theories. One is that the ship runs like a legal office, and the other one is that there's a bunch of actors that have an L.A. Law connection. You're right. You're right. There's no actual L.A. Law connection actor-wise in this episode. But I'm glad... I... But it's taken 15 episodes to get this other <laughs> connection in place. Well, it takes me a long time to get to get you know to get my point, okay? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I, I, I'm sort of relieved. So let's talk about what's going on with Jameson and his wife up in uh, Enterprise D when they get there. Oh, my God. His relationship with his wife and her relationship with Mr. Jameson is very weird and not appropriate. It's so messed up. This is so wrong. It is messed up. She doesn't know that he's taken this medication or this... Right. This potion, this serum, this precious life-giving vaccine. <laughs> so he takes the magic potion. Yeah, and when he takes it, he doesn't tell his wife he's doing it, and he knows it's going to de-age him. And so, and and this is where the writing gets murky, okay? Because you, you, they've got too much going on again. He's starting to get younger when he can't be hidden any longer, and this is when he strides out of his uh, wheelchair, and then he and then they do a makeup change, and he's supposed to look like instead of being the old man, he becomes. A uh, a less old man. He's like, I think he's like supposed to be <laughs> Picard's age, right? Yeah, right. I got to do an impression of the guy's voice I was working on before because it's just like, uh, uh, I, is this what a grandpa sounds like? <laughs> I can't tell if the latex is getting. Oh, that's, that's Picard. I, uh, is, this a, is this a galaxy class vessel, you say? Huh? Hang on. <laughs> Engage! <laughs> you know, so I don't know what is going on with this relationship with his wife, but it's very not in the spirit of what this show is supposed to be about. And again, we're coming up on these old-fashioned issues about men and women. You know, she's supposed to have taken this kind of second seat in his life while he's out commanding his galaxy class vessel or wouldn't be a galaxy class vessel whatever whatever he's committing yeah whatever the hell he was doing and she's at home and there's even this line where they go into their quarters and she notes that this is a family ship 
And then she says, well, yes. she's like, well, honey, I, you know, I could have been with you all of those years you were away. <laughs> which, which, of course, you know, is, is your objection. Like, why would you do this? And, and that's why right. you do it. So people like Anne don't have to be on Earth. Right, we and, just get her the hell off the planet. What what kills me is that like why is it what why isn't Anne a doctor or a, or her own captain or something? Why why Anne is, is Anne is like like June Cleaver. I mean, first of all, she even has the hair right? right. Obviously, she got her hair done the same place that Christine Chabel got it done back in the original <laughs> series <laughs> because it's shellacked. <laughs> it's shellacked into place. She had it done back in 1955, I think. Her hair was cryogenically frozen. Give us some of that leave it to beaver hair. In, in a show that we have noted has gender problems. Yes. This is a reprehensible character because all she does is, Mark, Mark, Mark. And she adds absolutely nothing to the episode. The part, of course, that creeps me out a great deal is as soon as he starts to de-age, right. he just becomes this randy little horn dog. Well, it's... and he's climbing all over her like a spider monkey. Right. You know, so I hope we're going to the bedroom. <laughs> oh, Mark, that scene is awkward and worth a view again, folks. As I watched it four times, um, I, I did. I was awake for that part. Of course, you were. Whatever, and it just looked like you know that really is a twenty-year-old dude trying to get frisky with a seventy-plus-year-old woman, and and I it just looked like the actor was really awkward. Like I don't know how to do this with my grandma. But you know, I mean, age ain't nothing but a number, and God bless him. But he doesn't come to her in in any kind of pseudo romantic manner. He just starts climbing on her. <laughs> you know, honey, remember when I used to come back from my long trips away? <laughs> just so awful and maybe that's their thing i mean maybe that's how they roll but looking at Anne with that hair <laughs> and that demeanor I, I, yeah. I unless she's got like she whips that thing off and puts on a you know she's bald underneath and puts on a leather teddy i don't see it got a ferengi laser whip yeah 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 that's hot <laughs> she puts in her ferengi teeth maybe that's it it's some sort of s&m ferengi thing they come got here going. honey give me a big kiss Come here, human. He is, he is so terrible to her. And here they've been oh, yeah. married for 50 years or, or so, right? Yeah. And he goes, gets himself de-aged, right? And mm -hmm. then and then he doesn't tell her he's doing this to himself, of course. And there's right. there's repercussions for this because there's, the medicine backfires on him. But then what he does right. is he also gets her uh, 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 her own serum that she's going to be able to take. But he wants to try it out on himself first, right? But right. then he gets so uh, uh, wooded up about dealing with this uh, carnass, right? Right, right. That he decides he's going to take a double dose. Of, basically, he takes her yeah, medicine, too. and she's, you know, she's understandably pissed off. First of all, he took this medicine, and then she's having yeah. this whole crisis, right? Because she's now married to this guy that's becoming younger and younger, and and what is she supposed to do being this older woman? And there's a scene where she goes to the girl club to ask the other girls on the ship what what she should do right. about it. So of course you've got, and I mean this is the only scene where there's much to do for. Well, Deanna Troy has almost nothing to do on this this episode, but Deanna Troy and, of course, the doctor, and, and she confides right. in them about how she's feeling and how ripped off she feels and how terrible he's made her feel. And she's, like, kind of pouring her heart out to the, to them. Mm -hmm. in, instead of having, like, a sisterhood moment, they, they say, well, you, you know he's a hero. Yes, right. They diminish 
her even more <laughs> than right. her husband already has. And you got to say, come on, come on, writer's room. What's going on here? I don't know how things are at the Dave household at Dave HQ, but I could tell you over here, if we have like a joint treat, like let's say there's a giant bag of M&Ms or something, mm. there ain't no way I'm going to eat that whole bag of M&Ms. I'm sharing that bag. And the secret to a happy relationship, and let me share this with, with all the folks out there, is to let your partner have the last handful. We all know that. We get that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, but we're in 2020. Come on. This, this, this dumb... <laughs> This dumbass has like a life-saving potion, a de-aging potion. And he's like, yeah, I took it both. I wouldn't <laughs> even do that with the M&Ms. That's nice of you. I'm just saying, we got to put this in perspective. <laughs> so Jameson comes onto the ship, right? And immediately, uh, you know, threatens to assume some kind of command. So he uh, seizes right. power away from Picard right away saying... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but when I come into our ship, I get command of the away party. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Picard's like, uh, okay. Like, you, you know, maybe uh, maybe check back with Starfleet or something, John? I don't know. <laughs> he, has this, he has this look on his face. He's like, uh, okay, I guess. And doesn't Picard get, like, orders? Yeah. Isn't that, don't, don't they send him at least, like, a, like an email or something? Yeah, you know what? I believe it goes something like this. Stardate 24277. <laughs> Been given orders by Starfleet. Take this jackass right to Karnas. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how you set up the episode. They could have easily have solved it in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. But Picard is also weirdly passive in this episode in right. a way that I don't get until the end when right. he's suddenly like, you know what? He should have relieved this dude as soon as the guy told him, I'm taking a de-aging drug. You got a problem with that? Any concerns here? And then he reveals to Picard that he created what is, you know, some kind of war crime, lying to the Federation and leaving these weapons down on the planet for these, you know, two groups of people to fight it out, right? So he's a war criminal. 40 years of civil war. 40 years. So millions of people die, we, we find out. It's, it's a strange term because instead, and this is to your passivity, instead of going like, take him to the brig, you know, arresting this dude, he decides to sympathize with him, this war criminal, and figure out a way of making this guy who is so unlikable, you know, at peace with himself somehow. Well, he says that thing about Karnas. He goes, well, you know, Karnas could have done something too. Right. It's, it's, but it's like, isn't that the point to the Federation, though? And isn't that the whole point to the Prime Directive? Is that these folks are not evolved enough, either socially, physically, or intellectually, right. to handle this kind of technology? That's the point. So to sit there and blame the victim which is what Picard does, and say, you know, that con ass should have known better. Yeah, he, he flips so easily. He's so easy to, you know, take his side. And I, I think later on, the, the episodes become more complicated, and there's a discussion about this kind of stuff. They should have war room this, and they would later right. on, where they'd sit around in the... The, the conference room. And, and mash it out on the Starfleet whiteboard and figure it out. Like, this is... <laughs> Because that's what happens later on, is that they all have these ideas and everybody kind of talks it through. L.A. La. Number one, get my post-its. Get my dry erase marker. Uh, Beverly, a cup of coffee, please, and then your opinion. He actually facilitates this thing, and we're supposed to believe that he's concerned enough that he goes down to the planet with this away team. We were talking about that phaser battle. He, right. he basically says, you know what? I'm so concerned. I'm going to go into this potentially dangerous situation with you. And then Data says, at some point, they're down in these tunnels, and Data says, you know this guy is totally wrong about where we're going, right? 
Right. And Picard's like, well, let's just see where it takes us. Uh, excuse <laughs> me, uh, Johnny. Uh. This is probably outside of what happens with Q, which they can't really control. This is probably the most dangerous situation they've been in so far. They go into this right. hostile planet. They're sneaking in underground into this guy's lair to try to rescue these supposed uh, hostages that he has who we never see. And so we don't even know if they really are hostages. Right. They're going to sneak in and they take, you know, the very best and brightest of Enterprise D with them. We've got Worf, Data, Geordi, and Yar. Right. And they're all there with them. And then this guy's giving them the wrong information and Picard's just going like, uh, just, just humor him. He's an old man for crying yeah. out loud. Let's just let this play out. Let's give him a little rope here and see where he goes. Right. To make the connection to previous episodes, I mean, you remember Lonely Among Us. It was clear that Picard was being controlled or wasn't himself. Right. And they were all up there, like, clutching their pearls, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right. And here, again, now we have an admiral who's clearly off the rails and who has a history of being off the rails. And Picard and the others seem reticent to do anything about it. And it's a little odd. But I also want to say, after episodes of Riker having this enormous fit about Picard going on away teams... He just sort of stands there with his arms crossed while Picard goes into a hostage situation. Right, yeah. On a planet where they've just had 40 years of civil war. Right. Instead of saying, like, what would have made sense is, uh, Jameson is commanding, because he has the ability to command uh, the away team, he's picking his away team and he's filling it with right. the, the people you don't want to see die in the show. And so Picard's like, well, I'm going to go down as if he's going to protect... These characters, and he's never done that before. I mean, they've all right. been protecting Picard. and we're so... It would have made more sense if Riker said, you know what, no. Are you out of your mind? Let me you go. stay here. But it's be it's really because I mean it just it serves what is being written. So he goes down. Right. To, he goes down, and and there's a battle, and and they go down the wrong tunnels because Jameson is wrong, and things have changed. He's a dumbass. It things have changed in the last four years, and 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 I guess in a way Picard is proven right somehow by this because they're shooting at them and then Jameson has this big attack because of the medication. Right. And he's, ah, 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 right. Ah. Well, but even before that, I got to say that... Call 911! I've fallen and I can't get up! <laughs> but even before that, even before that... To Enterprise! <laughs> beam this old dude up! <laughs> Picard, activate my life alert! But even before then, he's standing there. Life alert! How can I help you, Commander Jameson? Commander Jameson's a little busy dying right now. We need <laughs> to be beamed up. <laughs> but but he's standing there shooting back. Everyone's sort of huddled undercover. This idiot is just standing there shooting at them. Right. And and Worf's like, what the hell is this? And, and, and Worf tackles him to save him. But it's like at that point, Picard just should have given him the wink. And right. Worf just could have like stood there and let him get killed, right. and he'd be like, "Okay, well that didn't work out." Don't move, Mister Worf. Watch what happens next. <laughs> I mean, if this really was an episode of Jackass, right. they just would have let him get shot in the groin. <laughs> but, if but, he would have been shot in the balls, <laughs> that would have been the perfect. <laughs> oh! He shot me in the groin. <laughs> I recognize the sound. I recognize the smell of a. Phaser set on kill, Commander Data. <laughs> this guy is is nutty as shit because he he takes this serum that is going to make him young again, right? right? He wants to become young so that he can go down to this planet and they get killed. Is that the idea? Because it doesn't make any sense. Well, no, I think he wants to atone. He says he wants to atone for what he had done before. That <laughs> he wanted to atone for the four decades of civil war. Like there wasn't some opportunity in the right. last four decades. Yeah, 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 to come up with something that may have helped. Right. Well, pick up a space phone. <laughs> 
and, and, and call this dude, man. Yeah, and say, hey, you know, the, the killing, not so much. <laughs> How about a call? Wouldn't it, have been, would it have been so terrible if you just gave me a call and said sorry? Of course the character Picard's still evolving, and there's no way, like, the Picard that we have in season five or six ever would have let this happen. Sure. But the Picard we have here does, and it's part of his development as a character. Said We've already seen that difference in, or relieving an admiral is just too uncomfortable for us. Right. Even if there is overwhelming evidence and I think in this case of war crimes, right? He, he's like he's like the James McNamara of yes, yes, that's exactly right of Mordon. Please, uh, let's talk about Beverly. Let's talk about Beverly. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about you and me, Bev. Let's talk about Bev. She is a character that is is treated so oddly in this episode. I mean, everyone's not, people are not treated well. Agreed. Um, Yar only has a couple of lines. Worf has one line. Jordy and Data are just functionaries. <laughs> Even Riker is just a functionary. Yeah, they barely say a thing. There's so much talking in this episode, and, and our, our regular cast is saying almost nothing. I mean, this has got to be the most ineffectual she has ever been. Right. All she gets to do is deliver just like a ton of exposition. So she's the one that tells us it's Iverson's disease. And you know, like any good disease, on television there's no cure can't you make a cure for this one like you did in episode two bev yeah and that's the thing right, right. it's like what beverly can cure and what she can't cure johnny luke picard says jean luke you know i want you around in case something happens and that's it she just sits there with with something happening be me just sitting here and looking at things well she's got she basically sits on on like you know those you ever go to a sporting event and you take those weird cushions because the benches are too hard <laughs> she they have basically one of those on the bridge for her right so she gets to sit next to troy on a little cushion right the whole time beverly beverly protect your coccyx at all costs <laughs> But is there nothing else for her to do? Does she sit there the whole time? <laughs> there's a couple thousand people on the ship, we've learned, right? And there's nobody's sick or nobody's having a heart attack. Or... But even when he's dying at the end, right? Like, So for some unknown reason, Picard thinks it's a good idea to bring her down for the final showdown. And then to bring Anne down for the final showdown because it's 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 perfectly safe. Oh yeah, this is a they go to this place and this Carnass is dangerous. He's got a he's got hostages. He's got a wall of guns behind him. I mean, this is a this is a bad dude. All he do he just grab one of those guns off the wall and shoot them. And the last time anyone was down there earlier in the episode. It was the sound of phasers right. set to kill. Right. So, right? Yeah. But it's it makes, like, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's bring Bev with uh, us. And... Send the doctor down next. Uh, we're, we're really <laughs> figuring out a way of whittling down the cast in this one. Yeah, the, your there's, primary there's cast. Nothing like a, there's nothing like a tall, lanky redhead to draw fire. <laughs> right. Yes. Shoot her like Lord did. <laughs> She got shot Get in that her episode. Arm on fire. She's the I only. Know, I remember. She's the only cast member that's taken a, 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 taken a laser a shot. Yeah. But then he's dying, right? Right. Picard's like, "Can't you do anything?" And she's like, "No. Oh, I'm gonna call bullshit on that because you <laughs> totally could knock his ass out. You're right. not telling me, you know, in in the original series, in a month right. time. Yeah. There's that weird moment where where McCoy injects <laughs> Kirk <laughs> with <laughs> what he calls a triox. <laughs> right. A triox compound, but it happened to be a neural paralyzer. Like, that guy just carries that around. Listen, listen, I've been watching old episodes of the 
original series and I saw Bones, he has a whole case. But it's, it's also like Batman in the 66 television show, right? He has everything in that utility belt. Right. So Bones had everything in his little case. Yeah, makes but, sense. But Bev, Bev doesn't have a Mickey in there somewhere. He just have a Quaaloo. She doesn't have uh, yeah, just, something <laughs> and just knock his ass out. Just like, can you would... do anything? Nope. Sure can. And then they, but they also bring Anne down and put her yes. in a vulnerable uh, right. position. But it's really just a, you know, as soon as she shows up, you know he's dying in that scene. But 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 Picard also could have shot him in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a favor. Right. I can knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wolf set for stun for crying out loud. <laughs> but poor Bev. Well, poor Bev and also poor Troy. I mean, it's another... Here we have a situation where... She scans, mentally scans Jameson when he first comes on the ship and says right. he's telling the truth, but he's also hiding something. And that's all we get from Troy. And, I, and I'm confused because in the very next episode, we'll see that Troy is on the spaceship, potentially millions of miles away from this planet and she can, that they're looking for and they cannot find. But she can somehow scan space and, f and hears or feels that this whole planet is out there. Right. It's like her powers are very confusing to me. I don't, I don't understand what her, and I don't know if they don't have them worked out yet or if it's, again, this convenience thing, like to keep her kind of... Right. It's more inconsistency. It's just more, you know, they haven't figured this out yet, and are they ever going to figure it and, out? And that's fine. I just think that it's it's more, you know, when, and when it's data, it's funny because they give him power. And But when it comes to Troy and when it comes to Crusher, I just feel like these are these, the, the, the roles of these women on the ship are just so old-fashioned and so not appropriate for 1988 even sure you know if for a show and i'm talking the whole show for the very first show of star trek had a number one who was a woman like so second yes. in command is a woman and and, and actually a strong character too so yes. it just seems like a lot of backsliding has happened between 1967 and 1988 i don't know well, t tell me something about Karnas. The best part of this whole episode for me, I, the, the thing that made it redeemable, it came at the end. So it was a tough slog to get there, but if I felt like it was dessert after eating like really bad soup. <laughs> right. Was Michael Pataki as Karnas. Right. This is a guy who, who he just eats scenery, right. right? He's got that growl. He is, he is just loaded for bear. Yeah. And in such a lackluster episode, his, I don't know what to say, I mean, his energy is is fantastic. It I, is. Just, I just loved watching him. He was great, in it, and it was a shame because it, it kind of reads wrong because it's like he's got all this fire and he's got, even for the shoddiness of the characterization, he really kind of embodies this strong man. And, I, and it's a right. shame that you didn't see him all you all you see him doing is standing behind this desk either talking to the enterprise on the intercom or just standing behind uh, the desk and threatening them oh my so god i would have been so much happier if the episode was about him but this guy i mean michael pataki is it's important uh in star trek history right. because he's the one that starts the fight in the bar on trouble with tribbles the right. classic episode right and he's the one that sits there and says a great episode i didn't mean to say the enterprise is a garbage gal right. i said it needs to be hauled away as garbage <laughs> and, and, right and he's a klingon in that scene he plays a right klingon. right he's a klingon be and then they before, start that great fight right and that really pisses scotty off but it's before uh, the klingon evolution so he's an old school klingon in the original right. series so he's a normal looking klingon right right just a klingon it's great because of course they've been insulting kirk the whole time and, and scotty does not care <laughs> scotty's like you know now laddie calm down laddie 
And then the minute he starts talking trash about the Enterprise, it gets nasty. That's me, lady, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you have to have seen Trouble with Tribbles. And right. if you haven't, you know, do yourself a favor because it's, it's, it actually is for an episode that tries to be funny. It actually has some really great moments, and he's definitely one of them. That's a great scene. I love that. When I was a kid, I, I loved that scene. I love to see them actually fighting. It's like, wow, they do this still in space? Oh, God, yes. I also want to say, and this is vitally important. This is incredibly important. R- yes, hello? He played the character of Captain Barbera in the Spider-Man television show that starred Nicholas Hammond. Oh, my God. You're and kidding. I don't know... If the age difference between us is enough that you were not as crazily excited about the Spider-Man TV show as I was when it came out, but I was just psychopathic about it. I I, I loved Spider-Man at that age. I don't even know if I've seen that show, to be honest. I gotta tell you. Don't admit it to the fans. This is when you were how old, though? Like, you were five or something, right? Oh, no, right? no, I wasn't five. It was... I was maybe about... 11 now what they call middle school junior high so i was about 11 or 12 middle school i was deep into my spider-man stage and just the idea that spider-man was going to be on tv (laughs) you know going to be crawling on walls and jumping around on the rooftops i was just out of my mind does whatever a spider can spins a web any size catches thieves just like flies, number one. <laughs> uh, can I, can I, can I tell you what my favorite? Uh, it's not even a scene. It's my favorite shot in this whole episode. Okay, please, please. There is a scene where they're staying. Anne and um, uh, Mark Jameson are staying in the guest quarters, which yes um, has an outward-facing window. I just want you to know that. Yes, it does. I, I believe an aft-facing window. She, <laughs> she wants to put something away in a drawer. Okay. Yes. And so the, there's a drawer. But the drawer doesn't, the drawer slides in and out, right? Yes. Instead of pushing the drawer in, she pushes a button that makes the drawer go in. That's right. It's the future. That's weird future stuff. I, you, you'd think, it's, I know they don't have regular, I mean, they don't have regular doors on the Enterprise, like, like today's doors. But the idea that a drawer now doesn't work like a drawer. It's space Ikea. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And they get a, you know, a Yarg Varg. Right. Uh, an Ikean Targ dresser but it, it, yeah space uh, ikea <laughs> number uh, one it took me weeks to put this together right i threw it the instructions no. are so unclear but but i also have to say that that she yeah. is way too excited about it too she's like this ship is so great oh it's I wonderful i just have to touch the drawer and it closes <laughs> mark come here have you seen this <laughs> look at this but there's not even knobs on these things anymore this really is a galaxy class vessel. <laughs> Let's see the Klingons do this. Watch. It would have been fantastic to find out that the real crime was that Jameson gave away our drawer technology to Carnas. <laughs> if I knew you had drawers like this, the whole war could have been avoided. I would have given them boxes full of drawers. <laughs> Yes, and the then, quest. Go, go ahead. Give us that final line. He, this is like the wrap-up scene that, that all the Star Trek shows have, but, he, but uh, Picard says, The quest for youth, so futile, number one. But then what I love at the end is the last line is, Set course for ISIS-3! And, and it's what we said before, which is, Why can't we go to ISIS-3? 
Why don't we just do that? Why didn't we go to ISIS 3 this episode instead? And I checked, and they don't go to ISIS 3 next episode. So there's some missing episodes here that we never got to see. And I and I, I just wish that that was one of them. Well, the other thing that, that that's great about that final scene is right. then Jordy looks at Data. Data's looking at Jordy, and Data gives him that nod, like, right. we're doing it. <laughs> we're going to go. And, and, and it's like they're going to high-five here at this point. Right. They're going to fist bump. No, it's just... It looked- it looked like the actors were like, thank God we're done with this episode. <laughs> Let's go pop some beers and take the weekend off and hope there's a better yeah. script on Monday. So are you excited about the uh, the next episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation? But, uh, episode 16, coming up. It's it's when the bow breaks and, and there's some... Yeah, something like that. There's some kidnapping. It's a Wesley episode for you. Ah, I'm going to iron up my rainbow shirt for next week. <laughs> Get your cause sweater out because right. next time it's Wesley Fest. Kids love the Wesley Fest. I, I Again, online, I got a lot of, uh, hey, I love Wesley. You better treat him right. Ah. And also with a, I hope you beat the shit out of that little brat. No, 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 no. I told you this is a Wesley loving place, okay? Yes. We love you, Mr. Crusher. <laughs> Crusher, let's there'll, sign this out, shall we? There'll be no beaten, Will Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, Commander Dave, signing out. And I'm Praetor Andrew. Thank you for joining us on STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Oh my God, what is it with these people? Crusher! Crusher! Beverly, let's go mine the store! We know it's hard to say goodbye to Admiral Jameson, but don't worry, true believers, another riveting episode is coming up when the bow breaks. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. Andrew and Dave join the Enterprise crew as kids get kidnapped. Yeah, Wesley gets taken too. Wesley and a bunch of other dorks. Dr. Beverly Crusher sits down with a group of grieving parents and hones that bedside manner. Beverly Crusher is like, hey, you knew the risks, people. No one told you to bring your stupid kids on board. You're just like, dude, let's do it. Dave and Andrew will opine about the ship's resident telepath. Guys sitting around going, God, jeez, Gene, why did you give us a goddamn empath? What are we supposed to do with her from week to week? And no episode is complete without a little Ferengi love. Please, take our children. <laughs> we'll trade them for gold. All this TNG action that will make you ask yourself, well, Why didn't I get a cabin with a window? Harold, I told you to pay for the upgrade so we could get a window. <laughs> As we present episode 16, When the Bow Breaks. Thank <laughs> you.